house and kind of settle the dust a little bit and cool things down for a little while. Several of us uh, this afternoon went over to Richmond Chapel um, for their four Sunday singing. Uh, had a good singing over there and uh, had 18 leaders, I believe, and I think like 77 people, I believe. So one of the better well attended uh, singings um, that they had had in a while. So it was a good afternoon uh, for that. And uh, like I said, several of us went over and enjoyed that time with those brethren at Richmond's Chapel. Last week we began uh, or continued our study of God, but a question's about God. Then the first question that we began our lesson with last week was, why does God allow evil? And we began, as we began to think and talk and, and put things out in our lesson, um, we made the remarks that God... Uh, we're not questioning the power of God, if you remember. Um, he has the ability to stop evil and is in control of all things. And we talked about three things, if you remember, uh, how God could have prevented all evil in one of three ways. He could have intervened. He could have removed those uh, who committed the evil. Uh, he could have made us so that we could not have sinned, um, but as we established towards the end, these is not how God wanted to address those things or how he wanted um, to do things. He created a real world with real choices, and that's uh, the thought that we, we think about even tonight as we begin this lesson. He created a real world with real choices but also real consequences. And it's one thing that <clears throat> we as people in our society today do not uh, really see anymore as consequences. Um, as far as for things of, of done, th evil things that are done and then having to pay the consequences for that choice. Um, we often find in our society today that we want to blame something or someone else. We don't want to take responsibility um, for what we have done or not done. We also looked at the thought last week that when God created this world, he said that it was good. Six times in the book of Genesis in chapter 1, he makes that phrase or says that phrase that God saw that it was good. And then latter part of that chapter, in verse 31, he says that it was very good, if you remember. So what God had created was very good. And we were talked about, if you remember, that Satan had introduced that which is not as good in the Garden of Eden when he tempted Eve and Adam. And they fell to that, and it was their choice uh, to accept that and to bring sin into the world. Well, certainly that was not how God created the world and created everything in it. He did not want sin to abound uh, in that. But again, he created man, as we ended last week, as a free moral agent. If you remember, free moral agent, meaning 
is that we have a choice. Even tonight, we have a choice. No matter how old we are or how young we are, we have a choice to do right or to do wrong. And we talked about last week how that uh, there's no way to, to make wrong right. Wrong is wrong. No matter how you look at it, wrong is wrong. And what we as Christians need to be involving ourselves is things in, rather, is things that are not wrong, things that are not evil, things that are spiritual, things that are of God is what we need to be involving ourselves in. So again, we begin tonight with a thought that God does most certainly prevent some evil. As was read just a moment ago in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verses 1 through 13, when you get to verse 13, I think the inspired writer Paul in the 1 Corinthians says it well, and he sets it up well through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit through him sets it up well. Because generally when we fall to sin, we have become prideful. And you notice verse 12 where it says, Wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. You know, any time, many times in my own life, and I know you have seen it in yours, any time that I have sinned or got myself in a position of making wrong choices, I've often been prideful. Feel like I had it all figured out. Feel like that, oh, I knew nobody could tell me anything. I know what I need to do, and I'm going to do it. And the next thing I know, I'm in a big mess. I think the inspired writer Paul sets it up very well there in verse 12 where he says that. Let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. And then he follows it with verse 13. He says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able. But with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear. God does prevent some evil. In many ways, God does things to prevent evil. He has given us, number one, he has given us a conscience. A conscience. Which convicts you and I to do the right thing unless we damage that conscience. Now one says, well, what is a conscience? Well, the conscience is that battle and that thought in your head, that way of thinking says, well, I, I want to do this, but it's wrong. I want to do this, 
because everybody else is doing it and I want to be part of like everybody else. And you have that battle. It's that influence from within in, in you that has been trained or not trained in the proper way to guide you and I through decisions that we must make, whether right or wrong. Many of us, we know every day, our conscience. We'll, we'll make statements, don't we, uh, about our conscience. Well, a lot of times people will say, let your conscience be your guide. I don't know how safe that is. Because not everyone's conscience has been what? Trained according to the way God would want it to be trained. That way of thinking, if you will, that determines right or wrong. <clears throat> but it says there that he has given us a conscience which convicts us of the right thing unless we, notice that statement, unless we damage it. Now you think about growing up as a young man and a little boy and a little girl. When we are when our conscience was trained to do the right thing and we were we were little and we didn't know right from wrong, our conscience was what? Pure and innocent, wasn't it? In our way of thinking. Through Bible study and bringing our children to classes and to worship services, their conscience is trained through the guidance of their parents and grandparents, their way of thinking is trained, and mostly by the Word of God. But he says, unless we damage it. Now you take that same concept and go back to the Garden of Eden. We would be living in a perfect world of no sin, no wants, no death, no sickness if we had not damaged what God had created. I say we as mankind. So we have to think seriously about this thought of conscience. So he has given us a conscience. How have we trained our conscience? How have we trained the way we are thinking? Young people, older people alike, how are you thinking these days? Do you think upon things that are spiritual? Do you, do you participate in things that are spiritual things? What kind of music are you listening to? What's the music that we listen to today? is filled with just filth, isn't it? It's filth. One curse word after another. And you know the sad thing? Is we Christians think nothing is wrong with it. Because we participate in it. So what does that say about that one's conscience? It's been what? Damaged, hasn't it? Their conscience and their way of thinking is damaged. If you think upon things of this world 
and that are then you say that oh these cuss words and all these things are good well this this gay and, and lesbian thing is okay and it's good it's all right your conscience is damaged your way of thinking is damaged when we think immaturely when we think upon the way of the world thinks our consciences have been damaged but God gave us those and gave us to train them. Also, not only has he given us that, he's given us the gospel. He's given us the gospel of Christ, the good news, the word of God, the Bible, as a guide to design that has been designed to improve this world in every possible way. What we have between here and here is information that will guide you and I and make us better people. And not only will it make you better people and more mature people, it makes the world a better place when people live by this way of thinking. But there has to be a desire there to be able to promote those things. To be able to see the result of those things. We have to be willing to grab a Bible and open it up. And to study and to read and to apply it to our lives. And a lot of people, to be honest with you, need to just quit playing Christian. There's a lot of people who just play Christian. Who just say... Well, I'm going to put it on and I'm going to act this way for so long. And then when I get out of there, I'll go back to my way of living. You see, that's not what God intended. We're talking about evil and God, uh, you know, allowing evil or taking evil away. And a lot of Christian people have become null and numb. To the gospel of Christ. God has given us a conscience. He's given us the gospel. He's given us his word. He's given us the way we talked about this morning. A glimpse into heaven. And I ask you. I hope that you are preparing to go to heaven. Are you doing what's necessary to go to heaven? Well I can promise you that. When. The word of God doesn't guide your conscience, doesn't help train your conscience. You're not preparing to go to heaven. So God has given us a conscience. He's given us the gospel. And not only that, he has sent Jesus to this earth. Think about that in the view of evil. We may not understand why God does the things the way he does. But know that he knows and completely understands. He sent his only begotten son into this evil world. John, verse, John chapter 3 and verse 16. Because he so loved the world that he sent his own son to live here. And to suffer and to die. So that you and I can overcome evil. Now you think about that. 
Why does God allow evil to exist? Why is God allowed? Why is evil in the world? Why do, why do we have evil? The scripture we read in our scripture reading says he's not going to tempt us no more than what we can stand and overcome. He'll provide a way of escape, the scripture says. And we'll be able to bear it. But we are able to bear it because he sent his son. You see, our Lord Jesus faced the hardships. He faced the temptations. He faced the humiliation and the poverty and the inconveniences of life and many other things just for you and me. God sent him to us. God sent him to the world for us to overcome evil. You see, we cannot say that he does not understand. Jesus lived it for us. He has promised to help us. Matthew chapter 10, verses 28 and 30. You know the scripture well. Where he says, come to me all you that labor and are heavy laden. Take my yoke upon you. You know the scripture. He says, I will help you bear those things. I will help you get through those things. Because again, he says that he'll provide a way of escape in 1 Corinthians 10 and 13 in our reading. The other thing, who knows when God does intervene. We'll discuss more of that in another lesson. But throughout history, God has intervened in the Bible. In the Bible, we have the flood. Things became so evil and so corrupt that God said, I will destroy this earth with a flood. We have Sodom and Gomorrah and back in the Old Testament, where things were so evil that he destroyed it with fire. He destroyed Babylon, if you remember, the fall of Israel, the fall of Rome. All that was foretold. And we could go on and on and on when God intervened to destroy evil. You know, it really makes me shudder if you will to think what this world would be like if God did not have the power to control all things think about that it really terrifies me to know we think the world's bad and it is but just think if God wasn't the one, as we talked about this morning, in control. And things are working the way he wants them to work according to his purpose. You know, a lot of times people will say, well, why does God allow these evil leaders to be in power? Because God, only the way people are in power is through God. 
We talked about that this morning. Why does God allow that? All throughout the history of God's people, God used ungodly men to accomplish his will, didn't he? He sure did. He used people who did not know God or refused to know him to accomplish things that he wanted to be done. We talked about it in Bible class this morning in the book of Isaiah, chapter 44. God has always intervened in those ways. But we need to understand that the existence of evil does not limit the power of God, nor does it make him uncaring. And when we understand evil and how to overcome it, it causes us to better understand God. You see, we get so wrapped up in the world today and saying, oh, look at all this evil. Look at all these things. Look at all this bad stuff. And God said, you can overcome that. You take and do a study of the book of Revelation and how God's people were persecuted under the Roman government and the book is written in symbolism so that only those people could understand it and, and the number one theme that all these things shall shortly come to pass but those who stay faithful will overcome. Overcome what? Overcome evil. You see how it all culminates together. God has provided a way to overcome evil. We may have to live with it. We may be affected by it. But in the end, we win. And so we have to understand that. Again, we get so pessimistic sometimes. And I've been guilty of that. How terrible things are in this world. Just like we, we think and, and we, we don't even acknowledge that God is in control. God allows things to happen the way he wants them to happen. Now you think about that. Why does God, let's go to our next thought. Why does God allow suffering? Evil often goes along with suffering, doesn't it? And suffering with evil. The answer to that question, why does God allow suffering, is simply this. It's related to the evil in this world. Both evil and suffering are products of sin of Adam. Remember, again, what we've already talked about back in the very beginning, God created things that were good, and not only did he say it was good, it was very good. This world had no evil, no sin, but man, what? Fell to it, didn't he? Through, the, through man, through one man, sin, what? Entered the world. So again, when Adam sinned and 
Eve, they were punished. The earth was cursed. The suffering in this world is a product of that curse. Much of the sufferings we face are directly related to sinful behaviors. Now watch this. Sometimes it is the consequences of our own sinful behavior. And at other times, the result of the sinful behavior of others. Now you turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12. Again, another, another very familiar passage to each one of us. But Hebrews chapter 12 and verses 5 through 8. And let's read that together. I don't think that we, that we can reiterate this thought too much. Now notice what it says. You have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children, which speaketh unto you, or my son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. Now watch it in verse 6. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If you endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if you be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. You have no father. So again, we say for the Christian, it might be even the chastisement of God when we suffer. I think that's a very important. That's why we have to have self-evaluations. When things come the way they come sometimes, we have to ask ourselves, is God chastising me? Is God punishing me for things that I have done or not done? As I said this morning, by sometimes by our actions and choices that we make in the moment, sometimes we have to live with those consequences and the effects of those choices for the rest of our life. You take someone who engages in uh, sexual sinful behavior and they contract some type of disease. Sometimes those diseases are deadly. Maybe we make a choice as a young person to involve ourselves in this whatever with a group of people or this and, and we, we get in trouble. We, we, we Not only with our parents but maybe with the law. I've always said to my own children, I said it takes years to build a good name. Years. But it only takes seconds and minutes to tear it down. That's all it takes. People tend to remember the negative that you do, the bad that you do, and not so much the good. 
but it takes years to build a respectful name as a person and as a family, but it only takes minutes to tear it down. One night of folly, one night of in-the-moment decisions, young people can affect your lives for the rest of your life, whether it be with some type of disease, whether it be from drinking and, and while you're uh, intoxicated, either with drugs or alcohol or, or whatever the case may be, it could change your life forever. When you made that choice to drive under the influence of whatever and you took the life of an innocent person, you see, that's what you had to think about. We have to think about the decisions that we are making and what we are doing in accordance to God's will. How would God view this decision? How would God view what's going on in my life? What would God suggest me to do? Would God like how I'm acting right now? Would God appreciate the music I'm listening to? Would God appreciate uh, what I'm putting on social media? Would God appreciate all the things I'm involved in? Or would God chastise you? You see, so many things affect we as Christians. Why does a God allow suffering? Why not always so does God chastise those for the way they're living in sin or whatever? It's not always so. At times, even disasters and things are results of men behaving badly. But you know, suffering can actually produce many good results. A lot of good things in this. Regardless of the reasons, suffering can, can help us. And I think next week, that's where we'll pick up. Is that sometimes suffering can help us. Why does God allow evil? Why does God allow suffering? We've had many lessons on that. Many of you have suffered things in this life that are, are terrible. Diseases, losses, all sorts of things. But next week we'll talk about how they can help us, humble us, make us better, make us stronger, make us mature. So tonight... Maybe you need to overcome evil by a decision to come back to the Lord. He's provided the way through the blood of Christ. He's provided for you the way of salvation. You're living in sin. You're living in evil until that blood of Christ can wash it away. And we know no sin or evil can enter in. To that wonderful place called heaven we talked about this morning. I know you want to go to heaven or you wouldn't be here. But are you living accordingly 
to what God has said that you must do to go to heaven? That's the question. And even the cream of the crop, we make mistakes. And I call you all the cream of the crop because you made an effort to be back here tonight and to worship. And you'll be back on Wednesday night. And you were here this morning. Remember, in the end, we win. We just got to be faithful and keep on keeping on. Don't become discouraged. Don't allow the evil of this world to discourage you. Think about that glimpse that John had of heaven that we talked about this morning. How beautiful that's going to be. We sing that song, don't we? How beautiful heaven must be. I don't want to miss it. I don't want you to miss it. So tonight, if we can help you in any way, please come. Together we stand as we sing.